So, you're tired of religious and fruitless worship. You've been taught law with grace. You're more confused now than you were when you joined church. There is hope, come visit us at Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church and hear the teaching of the grace of God, which sets you free. We are so glad that you have tuned in to today's encouraging words. Sit back, relax and hopefully you will hear something that will inspire you on today. Let's get ready for today's encouraging words, brought to you by Walk in Truth Radio Network. Let's listen. We're still in 1 Peter, we're going to get started, we're not going to wait. I pray that everybody is okay this evening. And I pray that, uh, again, we lift up Sister Janice, we lift up Adrian, we lift up Brother Will and his family, his mother passed, and uh, we just, this is such a hard time for everyone, emotionally and uh, spiritually, but we just have to keep trusting God, and again, God is really doing some things, and there are some victories, and there are some losses, but Again, those of us who believe in Jesus, we have the victory, and God guarantees that. So we still have to continue to learn how to uh, suffer well during this season of testing of our faith. Uh, and we'll be going over that again and reinforcing that. Uh, I know that sometimes it gets monotonous, but it's through reinforcement that we learn. So today we're going to be still in First Peter. Uh, we might get to verse 9 today, but uh, we're going to just move forward in faith and continue to grow. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church Bible Study. We thank God for you, so we're going to open up in prayer. Uh, Sister Frida, open us up in prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us all to tune in and be present, and we pray that you uh, just continue to uh, be in our lives and helping us uh, go through our day-to-day -day being. Uh, we pray that you be with the speaker, give him strength and knowledge and wisdom to be able to feed us. And we thank you for allowing us this time. Help us to stay focused and learn something tonight that you would have us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. On Facebook, please like and share. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, we're going to have we go ahead and read Sister Stacy, First um, Peter, chapter one, verses one through seven. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time in this you rejoice 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. So in these first couple of verses, we have the acknowledgement of Paul, I mean Peter, and Peter is talking to the dispersed Jews that got dispersed during the Roman uh, siege. Rome had got tired of the Christians and the Jews, and instead of trying to parse it out, they just persecuted them. There was a that was a very uh, rough time for them. It was it was comparable to the Babylonian captivity. A lot of evil things happened. They even say cannibalism happened. Because what the Jews did to, to kind of torture the Israelites where they seized the city, they wouldn't let nothing in and wouldn't let nothing out. So that means they didn't have any way of getting food. And supposedly at, during this time, some of the women, did some of the people did cannibalism on their children. So it was a really tough time. And then they were pushed out of Jerusalem and their temple was destroyed. Now Jesus prophesied of the temple being destroyed. He said that one brick would not be laid upon another, that this temple would be destroyed. The reason why the temple had to be destroyed is because they worshiped the created thing, which was the temple, more than the God of the temple, and they missed their Messiah. So the idol has to come down. And what God shows us in the pattern of life is that all idols have to come down. We as people of God have to understand God will not take second choice for us to idolize something else. No matter how good it is, we shouldn't idolize our children. We shouldn't idolize our job. We shouldn't idolize our, or even the church building. You are the church, and what God has done over the history of mankind, He has shown mankind His ways. And again, like we learned in Judges, there was no king in Israel, and men have always done what was right in their own eyes because they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Think about this. When Adam transgressed, which threw us into this thing called sin, it wasn't that that Adam was looking for God, but Adam was running away from God. God had to ask the rhetorical question, where are you, Adam? Well, that's what happens when we sin. We prefer the darkness. And what ends up happening is the light is so bright, it shines upon our sin. And God had to suffer Adam to be removed from the garden. So just like the Israelites had to be removed from Jerusalem through sin, Adam was also removed from the garden by sin. So we see this pattern in our life. Whatever we hold on to more than God, God will eventually, because he loves us, will cause us to be separated from that thing. And that causes us struggle. That causes us strife that stresses us out to be separated from what we idolize instead of being concerned about us being separated from God. Thank God that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us and that we will never be separated because we're saved by grace. We're not saved by works. During this time of the, of, uh, uh, the Jews, Jesus has died. They have rejected him and they were still practicing the law. But again, the law was never meant to save them. The law was supposed to drive them to God. But because of their religious uh, biasness and their ignorance, they missed their Messiah. 
And now we have that which they idled, their beautiful temple, the Herodian temple, fully destroyed. And guess what? It is destroyed as of today. They are all looking forward to going back and rebuilding the temple and being able to do sacrificial worship again. And they're still missing it, that their Messiah comes. They believe their Messiah hasn't come, but we know better. So in 1 Peter 3, it talked about being, uh, 1 and 3 talked about being born again to a living hope, a living hope. We are the dispensers of hope. We are the uh, ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So therefore, we are the dispensers of hope. And our hope is in what was afforded to us at Calvary being effective in our life. Okay? His affection for us, A, affection, we want that to be effectual in our life. So we believe that we are saved to the uttermost. We can't lose our salvation. But the only problem is, Part of our salvation walk to justify our salvation, to validate our salvation, we must suffer. Okay? We must suffer. And 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 it, it, it's counterintuitive when we think about that. You mean I become a child of God and I must suffer? Well, how would God know that you're his child if you didn't suffer or didn't go through something to prove that you're different from everybody else? The Bible tells us that we're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. He's going to tell that in, in this in, the, in this book. He's going to say that to them. And if that's what they are, there has to be a way to validate them different from everybody else. Not just in blood, but also in the fact that they are now Christ. The, the Jewish believers, the ones who believe in Jesus Christ, have to be different from even their own blood brothers and sisters. And now they're going to have to suffer. And as they are part of the church, as we are part of the church, we are grafted in to, to, to uh, the benefits that they have, but we're also grafted in to what we must do for validation of who we are as saints. Some people come to Christ because they want everything to go right in their life. And that's a false gospel. That's not even a gospel. That's, that's another gospel that Paul warned us of. That's a gospel that leads people astray. That's a gospel that leads people despondent. But what you say is that it's not necessarily that your life is going to be without suffering, but you will learn how to, as we're going to learn, suffer well through this. You're going to learn how to deal with stuff. You're going to learn how to be able to handle stuff. And therefore, you're the perfect person when somebody's going through something. They should be able to come to you because you have the answer. Not necessarily the answer that's going to relieve the pain of the suffering, but the answer to teach them how to suffer well. And then when God is ready, he will deliver them out or be with them in. They won't have to suffer alone. That's the great thing about us. We never really suffer alone. We do have our brothers and sisters to suffer with, but also we have Jesus Christ who, even when our brothers and sisters leave us, and they do sometime, we will have Jesus that will come in the midst of our suffering and be with us. Now, that takes a discernment. That takes a knowing of his, his word. See, we just don't believe it because it's here. Most of us believe it now because we experienced it. Remember the word I use, gnosko? That means that you have an experience to what the word is saying. Yes, some of you have lived and, and see what we just read, but I want you to be able to experience it. And I guarantee if you're a child of God, you going, you're going to suffer because he suffered for our sake. The first point I want to make is that we all have to suffer. We all have to go through. And because we're a living hope, the fact that we suffer, we still have hope. We still have hope. 
Go to Hebrews, uh, Frida, chapter two, verse 23. Read that. And Stacy, go to Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 10 and, tw and, and Hebrews 10 and 23. Mm -hmm. okay. Stacy 12 and 12, Romans. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Okay, so we need to hold fast to our hope while we're suffering because he who promised. Now, Frida, who is he who promised? Jesus. Jesus, God. God promised. He is faithful. See, as long as we understand that he is faithful, we should be able to hold fast to our hope while we suffer. A lot of people give up hope. And we know that hope is something that we can't see. Hope is something that is forward. Hope is in front of us. It's never behind us. So when you have a new day, you have a new hope. But our hope is not in a thing or necessarily not in a deliverance. But our hope is in what? In who? Jesus. In Jesus. First, our hope is in what he did for us where? On the cross. On the cross. And through the hope in the cross, then it trickles down to everything else. The popular saying, by my stripe, by his stripes, we are healed. I know that we've painted that thing over every aspect of our life. But the worst, the healing that you need, that you need hope for is the healing from sin. And by his stripes, his blood, his pain, his suffering and his sacrifice, you, if you believe, can be healed from your sin. And then we'll take God to take care of all the other stuff if he chooses. But the thing you've got to get taken care of first, you can't use that verse because you're sick because your sickness is truly sin your sickness starts at the, at the foot of sin whether it be the inherited sin from Adam or the sin of your own poison you are a sinner saved by grace and the grace comes from his suffering think about that the grace the favor of God that's in your life comes through him suffering so therefore, we mirror our Savior and what happens, the grace of God, the favor of God, the mercies of God have been dispensed to us through the suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. So by his stripes, we are what? Healed. Romans 12, 12. Go ahead. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Rejoice in what? Hope. Rejoice in hope. So now what we have is you're going to suffer. But while you're suffering, you need to rejoice again. Psychologically, that's counterintuitive to our thinking, because when we suffer, we we know, let's be honest, we don't have nothing to be joyous about. When I'm going through sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, most of the time when I start suffering, I'm not looking at joy. Are you Frida? No, that's that's a natural human disposition. So for us to rejoice, what do you, well, that has to be a maturity thing. Mm -hmm. It says rejoice in hope. And then what does it say? Rejoice in, rejoice in hope. Be patient. Be patient in what? Tribulation. In tribulation. That means give God some room to work into your life until he wants to do something with it till you realize the end. Of, so you have to be patient. I know we cry out. I know we want instantaneous gratification. But some things take us some time. 
You have to remember, some of us have been sinners long as we've been saved. So some things that we go through, some of the consequences of our old behavior that God is going to let us suffer through, you have to be patient. It's not going to happen because you came to Christ, because you came to church, because you walked the aisle. It's something that you have to mature into. And while you're being patient, what does it tell you about prayer? Be constant in prayer. Pray without ceasing. So when you're going through, the first avenue to get to joy is what? Prayer. Prayer is so powerful. Prayer is so powerful. And the Bible said we read in Philippians, make your request known to God, right? Mm -hmm. And with that request being known, it's not saying that he's going to do what you want. You're praying for God's will to be done and you understand it. And it's nothing for asking for God to deliver you out of the situation. But God wants to get you to point just like he got Paul. And what did Paul, what did, when Paul prayed three times for that thing to be delivered for him, what did, what did, what did, uh, what, what did uh, God tell Paul? What did Jesus tell Paul? What did he tell him? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Mm -hmm. That's what you patiently waiting on till you mature to the point where you understand his grace is sufficient. And I know you want to be delivered. I know you want to be healed. I know you want the answer. But sometimes the answer comes with my grace is sufficient. God doesn't always get you out of the fire, but there's a lot. But let me tell you this. He'll get in that fire with you. He'll get in that cell with you. And, and a lot of times he knows what to leave on you. Just so you will still worship him. So you got to look at it like this. The more you turn away from him, the more he needs to put on you. So you'll turn back to him. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. He loves you enough to leave some stuff on you that you need to suffer through maybe for the rest of your life because that keeps you centered and grounded in him. That doesn't let you stray. As we read in Rome, as we read in Judges, prosperity doesn't bring relationship with God. So why would we preach prosperity? Financial prosperity, social prosperity that does, that has proven over time to not give us the relationship with God that God wants to have with us. All that is done because man, man is wicked is that he begins to idolize the prosperity and not the God who gave it to him. And again, just like in Judges, everyone starts doing what is right in his own eyes. Just like the man that Jesus asked, the man came to Jesus and said he did all the commandments. And Jesus knew what he idolized, his riches, and told him to go sell everything he had and follow him. Now, this is the Messiah. The, the disciples had told the guy, this is who you've been looking for. This is who you've been waiting on. But see, God knew his heart. And what God will challenge you is at your idolatry. I've experienced it. God will challenge you at your idolatry. And he loves you enough to strip it from you. And think about this. He wants to give you better, but it hurts to get what you have started idolizing, what you have counted on, what you have propped up. To get that separated from. See, there we go. That separation again. God separates you from the idol. You, you think you're suffering. But you're really not suffering. Right. Because God really wants to give you better. Okay? God really wants to give you. So we need to always pray. Uh, point number two. You will have to go through something to grow in God. You will have to go through to grow. You can't grow in God until you grow, grow go through something. So many times, again, we're trying to avoid suffering. Now, you need to avoid some things. But you'll never be able to live out your life avoiding what God has 
for you to grow from. Even the seeds in the ground, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies. Now think about what, what a seed goes through, a little bitty seed. First you bury it. <laughs> then you drown it with water. Then it exposed to the elements. It goes through a suffering time. But what does the seed turn into after it germinates? It grows into the plant that's desired. You fertilize it. You cultivate it. You pull on it. You de-weed it. You prune it. And it grows into the magnificent plant that it's supposed to because it has went through the time of testing. And because it, it, you, you snip off that which is you suffer through, it grows. Okay? It grows. Let's look at uh, First Peter. We, we look at First Peter 1, 6. We says, in this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you, what? You have been grieved by what? Various by various trials. Everybody has to go through the season. All saints will go through the season. And God looks at the season, no matter how long it is, as a little while, right? He doesn't look at it as forever. You do because you're limited by time. You only have so many chronological years left. But what God is saying, when you mature in Christ, you begin to understand the purpose of suffering. And you will understand the quicker you get to understand the purpose of your suffering and willing to for God's grace to be sufficient in your suffering. What I found out is it truly is a little while because once I come to the understanding that God's grace is sufficient, I'm no longer suffering. I'm in his grace. That means favor. And when I'm in God's favor, it makes no difference what I'm going through at any period in time. And again, this is one of those things we have to mature to. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to go through some stuff, which everybody will. And you don't have to look and ask God to send you some suffering because <laughs> everybody will go through some kind of suffering. Let's look at verse seven. So what? By the testing of your of your genuineness of your faith, the validity of your faith, your faith is proof. By this testing called suffering. You can't get around it. There's no way to test whether you belong in the faith. The Bible says examine yourself to whether to see if you're in the faith or not. The genuineness of the faith that you say you have can only be uh, 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 validated through testing, through testing, which is suffering. It's like a test at school. Once you pass the test, you go to the next grade. Same thing with God. There are a whole bunch of tests that you have to take called life and you're going to have to suffer. And that validates who you are and that helps validate who you are to other people. We should be the people that people turn to when they, everything, all hell is broke loose, like what's happening in our country today. You should be the one with the answer, not a political answer, not a social answer, not an ethnic answer, but the answer of God. You got to preach to Republicans, Democrats, liberals and conservatives, black, white, Jew, Gentile. It don't make no difference. You have to tow God's line, not the culture's line. And what God did was allow this to happen to show that some of our faith, the body of Christ, is in the wrong thing. It has exposed so many Christians during this time of Me Too and Black Lives Matter that we are caught up in ethnic things, in sexist things, and we leave God out of the whole equation. 
If you want equality, if you want things to be right, we know there's one place where it could be right in Christ Jesus. But when you make whatever your pet peeve issue is, the issue of the day versus sin, what ends up happening is you get so caught up in that, that becomes your idol. And that's what you talk about. And Jesus gets put on the back burner or brought up to back up what you say and what you want, but it's not scriptural. The Bible tells us to love our enemies. The Bible even tells us so bold to tell us that we need to give our enemies a cup of water. So we got to suffer through this time in America and this pandemic going around the world. And we have to still tell people about Jesus. We still have to have confidence in what was given to us on the cross because we don't know how long this was. This will be. The Babylonian captivity was 70 years. Mm -hmm. The Egyptian slavery was 400 years. And in Judges, it was off and on 20 years in, 40 years in, mm -hmm. off and on. They never knew when they were get, getting out. All they knew was they were living a life. And nowhere in Judges do you hear nothing about worship. You hear nothing about coming to the temple. You hear nothing about the uh, uh, the time where they were reading the word of God to the people that they were supposed to do every seven years. And the period of Judges is 300 years. That's not a couple of months. It's 300 years of disobedience, turning away from God. God sending a deliverer. He delivers you. You go through prosperity, then you turn away from God again. How long, saints of God, will we have to suffer with our own decisions to, of turning away from God that we say we love? I modified somebody saying, somebody said this. If you would listen to my advice, you would need my money, my prayers, or a miracle. I'm going to do it like this. If you would listen to the word of God, you wouldn't have to have, you would have plenty of money and you wouldn't need people, you wouldn't need a miracle. And guess what? You could be the one who prays for somebody. Because the word of God says we are the peculiar people. We are the one who stands in front when everything is going wrong. Paul, even they even said it in Psalms, we are served up like sheep for the slaughter. What does that mean? That means we trust God so much that even if they serve us up to slaughter, we're going to go with dignity and joy. We don't know when this is going to end. This may be just the beginning. We may die in this thing called the virus. Our whole country may be disrupted behind everything that's happened. But we have to keep the faith. Okay. Reef, uh, so the tested of your verse seven, so that the testing, tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, more precious than gold, that what perishes. Okay, it's more precious than gold that perishes. God is saying the most valuable thing on the earth is is gold. That's one of the most valuable things, and He says to Him. What the what the testing of faith does, it makes your faith more precious than gold. Then what is what's the next part? What's the B part? That perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory 
and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So now we have the praise and honor and glory being revealed to us while we're going through. See what I mean? You get closer to God as you're going through because the revelation of God is in the suffering. It's in the suffering. Paul didn't get to God's grace sufficient until he had to suffer, right? Mm -hmm. The Hebrew boys made a declaration, but they didn't experience God today. What? Got in the what? Fire. See, there's something about suffering that brings us into the presence of God. So you might, again, don't 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 be juvenile about this and say, well, I'm looking forward to suffering. No, you're not. Who does? Who is? Trust me, it's coming your way. If you live life long enough, it's coming your way. You, you, it's, it's like a train. It's going to eventually run on time and it's coming your way and you have to get on it. And suffering could be suffering through relationships, suffering through illness, suffering through finances, suffering through losing their home. Like they're suffering in context, they're suffering from being kicked out of the country that God promised them. Why are they suffering like that? Because they turn their back on the God and their Messiah. The Lord loved them enough. God the Father loved them enough to lead them to a land. God the Father loved them enough to send them the Lord Jesus to hopefully for them to stay in the land. And God loves us enough because they rejected the Messiah that he saved us and gave us and all who believe the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. the, the Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. The Gospels of Jesus Christ revealed. And the epistles are the Holy Spirit revealed in us. So we see this, this working of God through time to where now we know that Jesus Christ, the hope of glory is in you. But you realize that you have an experience with that. The gnosko of that comes through suffering. Okay. Mm -hmm. It comes through suffering. Okay. A strong spirit. Number three, a strong spirit is cultivated through suffering and a saved soul sanctified through the walk of your life. Go to 1 Peter 2.19. Read that. Two nineteen through twenty one. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of the sight of God. So this is a what thing? A gracious thing in the sight of God. So you endure when you're done wrong. That's what he's saying. You're doing when you're doing wrong. But what good is that? He says, when you suffer for doing right, the Bible says we are saved unto good works. So when you suffer for doing good, God says it's a favorite thing for him. Mm -hmm. It's a favorite thing for him. It's just he doesn't he doesn't. Look at it and say, oh, okay, that's what you're supposed to be doing. He's saying it's a gracious thing to him. He's observing your ability to suffer well. 
And a lot of times when we suffer, we can't tell if we're suffering because we did something wrong or suffering for God's sake. You can sit next to a person. Y'all both could be hungry, and that's what you're suffering through. That person's suffering because they've been disobedient. You suffering because you've been obedient. One is being is suffering to turn back to God. You're suffering to glorify God. So you can't look at a person's suffering and determine that. Only God can and the Holy Spirit can. There are times in my life, believe it or not, saints, that I have suffered because I did wrong. I know y'all don't believe that. <laughs> and it was to so I could turn back to God. But then, my gosh, darn it. <laughs> I done did right. No, I done did right, Frida. And here it come. Some suffering. And guess what? I don't feel no different. But I know now what I read. That God says, Okay, that's good. I'm observing you. I'm watching you. I'm applauding you because you are validating when you suffer through when you're doing good. You are validating who you belong to because guess what? I suffered for doing good. I didn't do any wrong. I did miracles. I healed people. I did all kind of good things for the Jewish nation and for Gentiles and they rejected me. He came unto his own. His own received him not. He suffered. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And, I, and, and, and it's cultivated in us. It's, 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 it grows in us. You know, it's not a thing that's going to be one and done. This is a thing that you will continue to go through for the rest of your life. It will never stop. It will never stop. Number four. God is with you to do good. I was talking about that already, to do good. But doing good may cost you your comfort. How many times have you done good and it actually made you uncomfortable? I've experienced that a lot. The Bible tells us to know to do good and don't do it as sin. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you're doing good in the mix of a sinful world, it feels uncomfortable. And a lot of times when you're doing good, you're going against culture. You're going against family. You're going against the popular thing of the day. But we're called to do good regardless. Our, our good is in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So if Jesus says this is good, then we need to do it, even though it may cost us, cost us our lives. It, it, may call, it may cause you to be uncomfortable. It may cause some family members not to talk to you. It may cause some friends that you call friends not to deal with you no more. But as we see, God says he notices that. That's, he doesn't take that uh, 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 lightly. He said, now you know how I feel. Can you imagine how Jesus felt when he came into his chosen people and they rejected him? The people that he took care of in the wilderness. The people that he fed. The people that he delivered. And they turned their back on him. Scoffed at him. And he actually did miracles amongst them. And the Bible said the Bible says in Romans that 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 this book or this book cannot contain everything that Jesus done. So Jesus was doing wholesale miracles, feeding five thousand, three thousand, all that. He's doing all that, raising people from the dead, healing people from their illnesses. And they rejected him because he didn't fit in their box. But it was true, like John said, 
The light is coming to the world, which was Jesus. Men prefer darkness rather than light because they're these evil, because they cannot handle light. So when you do good, the Bible says when you do good, what is present? Evil, evil is always present. And evil wants to make you suffer for doing good. Just like the thing you went through. When you remember what you were telling me about, Frida? Evil was right there and wanted you to suffer. Well, we ain't going to talk to you no more. We're going to isolate you. We're going to make you feel lonely. We ain't going to call you no more. Because you didn't do what we wanted you to do, even though what we wanted you to do was evil. But I did good by resisting him. But you got to deal with the pain of separation. You have to deal with the pain of separation. All of us been there. You got to deal with the ostracized, being ostracized. You got to deal with being uh, a different for the sake of Christ. But then he said he's going to bless you. Go to first Peter three to three and 13. Read that. 13 through 16. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. For you are what? You are what? Blessed. So if you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you blessed. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't feel like it. <laughs> okay, now being blessed doesn't mean that you're going to feel like it. Mm -hmm. Being blessed means that you know you're blessed for doing the right thing. And hopefully you're mature to the fact that your joy, you rejoice in doing good. And you're suffering through the rejection. And you are blessed. Okay, keep going. And do not fear their intimidation. Mm. And do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. Mm -hmm. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered. Those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. So, go ahead. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. So, what God is telling us is, is that when we suffer for doing right, there's a sanctif sanctifying who? Jesus in our hearts. That means... When we're doing wrong, we lean on what we have in our heart, which is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We lean on that. We set it aside. It's 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 effective for us. It's effectual to us. We don't run to people. We run to God. And then God says he's going to bless us for that. And that even though that people will do what's wrong. There is a higher calling that we have in our lives. Those of us who are saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. So this suffering is just a part of the game. It's just part of the plan. Anyone who suffers as, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in, his, in that name. So when you suffer, don't back away from it. Be ready to give a reason why you have hope. Be ready to defend yourself. And I don't mean angrily. Upset. It says be gentle, be kind, but tell them this is why I have hope. This is why I can rejoice. This is why I can smile. Even though you have rejected me, I still love you enough to tell you about a God who will help you through this suffering, too. That's hard, isn't it? When somebody's rejected you, when somebody's done you wrong, when somebody has actually 
uh, uh, slandered you and it says slander. That means they lied on you. And you have to be willing to humble yourself and look past what they've done to you to show the Christ in you to validate the suffer through their slander. And validate who you are in Christ Jesus, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, set apart his love in your heart and give them some love. Now, that's hard. That's hard. Nobody likes to be lied on. And our first response is do what? When you lied on, what's your first response? Anger. Anger. What about retaliation? Yeah. Some get back. And normally when we get slandered, we want to slander somebody else or do even worse, put our hands on them. But that's not our way. That's not the way of saved people. Go to first Peter five and 10. Stacy, read that. First Peter five and 10 reads. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So now we have God saying after you, here we go, suffer for how long? A little while. He will do what? Restore. Restore, confirm. Confirm, validate. Confirm is another word for validate. Go ahead. Strengthen. Strengthen, that, that makes you strong. Go ahead. And establish you. And establish you. Sustain you. You'll be like a tree planted by the water. You can't be moved. See what suffering does? It, it makes you strong. It restores you. He said he's going to restore you. That means he's going to do this thing called restoration and reconciliation in you, for you, because you suffered well. You suffered with dignity. You didn't let the slander destroy your character. Okay? You didn't let slander destroy your character. Jesus 5.5, Jesus suffered to Jesus suffered to sanctify us by salvation. Okay? We are suffered, we suffered because it sanctifies us. It sets us apart. As we see, it's more our faith is strengthened through suffering. Our hope is validated through suffering. It is confirmed. It's strengthened. And Jesus also went through this. And we have to understand, we don't suffer by ourselves. We suffer with Christ because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Go to Hebrews 2 and 9. Read that. Two, nine and 10. But we do see him who was made for a little while long, long, is that right? Yeah, I'm sorry. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Mm -hmm. So, so that he would taste death for who? Everyone. everyone. Now, is it everyone who, like everyone in the world or is that for everyone who believes? Everyone who believes. Yes, but it is effectual for everyone 
in the world, meaning his death was enough for everyone in the world. His death was effectual enough for everyone to participate in. So we have to understand about his death, that his death was good enough. His blood was powerful enough that all those who believe will get the benefits of it. But guess what? Until he comes back, there's a common grace that is given to all men, even those who don't believe that they might believe. So his death was powerful enough to keep the world going up until now. Even for the unbeliever. See, he still he suffered for them. And he suffered for you. He's get the glory out of you, and he's get the glory out of them who don't believe. How does he get the glory out of them who don't believe? If they die in unbelief, the glory is going to be that he's a just God and they're going to get what God tell them going to get. He's going they're going to hell. The glory from you is is that you're going to stand before the judgment of God, going to have done some things wrong, and all it's going to do for you is what? You're going to get some of the treasures taken away. But you will not experience the white throne judgment that will raise people from the dead and they will experience going to hell. A place that was not made for people. The glory of God is in his justice and in his mercy and wrath. But there's going to time where this grace is going to run out and this mercy is going to run out. And the grace runs out once you close your eyes. If you don't make the decision to come to him while you're here, you don't have to worry about them praying for you while you're dead. Because a dead man don't know nothing. But you will know. And the sad part about it is once you die, you will know of your of your time on earth. It's not a thing you die and he raised you from dead. You don't you raise this new creature and you don't know. And you know what I'm saying? You don't know that what you didn't did. No, you're gonna know. The story of Lazarus is about that. The rich man, the poor man. The rich man say, Man, I want to go back and tell my brothers and sisters about hell. And he said, No, it don't work like that. So some of our loved ones might be might be in that place where they kind of feeling it right now and they would love to come back and tell you, get right with God, get right with God, get right with God. How much un, how much purpose suffering do you have to go through to come to God? Some of us act like we can't get enough. And I'm one, you know, it took me what, 40 some years? So I'm not talking about something I don't know. I thank God he loved me enough to let me, he suffered with me to get to the point where I'm sitting here today. That's why I love him so. But just because he did that for me, Sister Freedom, don't mean he's going to do that for you. Don't assume that you got all day. Because what do we say about salvation? What time is it? Now. Now is the susceptible time for salvation. You have to be willing to come to God now. Not later. You have to be willing to go through this suffering way now. Not, not later. Don't make a deal with God talking about God if you, if you make everything all right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work where uh, he'll save you. What did I just have you read? 10 and 30? Uh, Hebrews 19. 2 and 10. Okay. We're heading home. The Number six, the light you have is the light within you and it guides you through the valleys of your suffering. 
The light of the Holy Spirit is in you, guides you through the, through the valleys of your suffering. That's why we say he's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Okay? We say that because he guides us through the point of our suffering. Yea, do I, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. A shadow is darkness, but you walk through with the light and the love of God in your heart. That sanctified Jesus that we read about earlier in your heart. The Holy Spirit that lives within you. You are the hope of glory. The hope of glory is a light. You are the light unto the world. The church. Two men becoming one. The Jew and Gentile grafted into one. Becoming the body of Christ, which is the ambassador of Christ and the light into the world. If, 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 if when God comes and removes the light, you think this bad. You can't even imagine what it's going to be like when you, the hope of glory, the church is removed and caught up in the air to be with Jesus. The world is still going to have to go through its tribulation time. The one thing saints depend on, on what you think, preach your approach trip. But for us. The, the 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 mark of the beast and all that stuff. Yeah, they have to work up to that. But guess what? When that becomes effectual, you're going to be gone. You don't have to worry about that. I don't understand why saints worry about that. Because if you read your Bible chronologically and understand some things, you'll understand you'll be gone. You won't go through that. Even though you think you're going through it now. No. Imagine what it's going to be like when they really go through it. When you won't be able to buy or sell. You don't be able to do anything that you think you need to do if you don't have this mark. And if you be honest, they've been saying everything from credit cards to the social security number was the mark of the beast. <laughs> That's just sensationalism. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, what you better worry about is are you suffering well? Okay? <laughs> That's what you better worry about. Are you suffering well? Okay, go to Hebrews 10 and 32. Read that. To 10 and 34, read that. It was 10 and 32. Mm -hmm. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. See, once you know, recall what you've been through. So it's all right to remember what you've been through because you've been enlightened. What does enlightened mean? That means that you have a light in you. You have knowledge in you. You have experience in you. Experience with who? Experience with Jesus through your suffering. Go ahead. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, mm -hmm. and sometimes being partners with those who so treated. Mm -hmm. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So back to up in the previous verse, it said we had this treasure, right? That's guarded by God mm -hmm. through the faith, right? That nothing can get to it. And because you knew. You knew you had faith in it. That what God said was true. No matter what you went through. You were nice to people. You visited people in the prison. You practiced James 1, 26 and 27. In spite of the condition. In spite of what you're going through. Just because we're going through a pandemic. Pandemics have been around since the beginning of time. But we still have a higher calling to be called to. We still should be looking forward to helping people and giving people the gospel. This is not the time to shut up and run from people. This is the time that we need to do everything we can to encourage and get people to come to Christ because that's the only place that comfort is right now. Mm -hmm. We might not ever be able to assemble like we used to. This, what we're doing now, may be the new norm. Nobody knows. 
So we just got to move forward in faith. We can't worry about if we're going to get back together. If God opens the door, we will be. But until then, we have to carry on God's business. And guess what? We still got people we need to reach out to and give them the gospel. We can't let this thing shut us all the way up. You can't keep using this as the excuse. Mm -hmm. Like I told you guys earlier, some of you are doing whatever you want to do. You know it and I know it. You going wherever you want to go. You eating whatever you want to eat. You hanging out where you want to hang out, and let. But then you say, "Well, you know, I can't. I can't come to church." And we only got a few people anyway. Oops. Okay. All right. Don't want to hear that. All right. Number seven. Suffering well validates us to our inheritance. Suffering will validates us to qualify us for our inheritance. Go to Romans 8, 17. Through 18. Romans 8, 17 through 18. And if children... Heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So glorification only comes through suffering. Your heirship comes through suffering. Your validation to be an heir comes through suffering. It doesn't come any other way. You saved by grace through faith, which is not of your own, but a free gift of God. But your validation as you walk out the rest of your life and your sanctification, knowing that you are an heir, knowing that you're that you are a sojourner, knowing that you are have a God who giving you better promises, you walk this thing out. You walk this thing out because you know you're a fellow heir. Okay? Go ahead. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So now there's a revelation that comes through our suffering. And what we do is we say, we compare, we say the suffering of this present time, right where you at right now, whatever you suffering through, whatever you going through, whatever hardship you may have, you understand that God, there's a glory to be had. That is nothing compared to what we're going to experience in Christ. Because once we have that gnosko understanding of suffering, then we go from suffering into glory. Into glory. From faith to faith, from glory to glory. And you only get there through suffering. Your faith does not grow by sitting there through prosperity. Your faith grows because you trust God in the midst of your storm. In the midst of your fire, in the midst of your rejection, in the midst of your slander, you grow. And with all of that, with all the glory, the Bible tells us in Psalms uh, 44, 22 and in Romans 8, 36. For yet for your sake, we are what? Killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now think about this. He's telling these Jews with all of that. God's glory. Is going to be manifested through your suffering and it's going to be validated and he'll restore. He'll strengthen. But realize the enemy is going to serve you up 
And you can't judge my relationship to God by my prosperity. But you can see the fruit of the spirit in me on how well I suffer. You can observe the fruit of the spirit. So when somebody asks you where your fruit, it should be evident by the way you suffer. Love, joy, peace, kindness, what? Long suffering. Patience. Meekness. All, all the fruit of the spirit is, 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 is portrayed in your suffering, how well you suffer. No, we don't want to suffer. But this is just a fact that for those Hebrews, those Jews that were being displaced and kicked out of their home with nothing and having to move out into a Gentile world that was foreign to them, that was scary to them. That they when they went to these other countries, believe me, these Roman countries were these these Asia minor countries were saying all kind of things about them as to why the temple got destroyed. Think about this. The first thing they said is, where is your God? Your temple been destroyed. So where is your God? Then they probably heard about how they were doing cannibalism and the things that they were being accused of the Christians and the Jews, because you have to remember the church was. Basically Jewish. And they got kicked out. This is 70 A.D. So where is your Jesus? Where is your hope? Where is uh, your favor? Because we can't see it. Because if there was a God, you wouldn't be going through it. A lot of people, that's what they say to us. If, if God, if the God you serve was such a great God, why are you going through? Because God is no respecter of person. And guess what? I'm going through the same thing you're going through. But guess what? I'm going through rejoicing. Because I see the benefit and the glory of God because it's building my strength and my character and restoring me. While you complaining and asking why, I'm asking what? God, what are you trying to show me about myself and about you? And all the time, let me tell you, saints, all God wants you to do is recognize him in the midst of what you're going through and appreciate the grace that he gives you. That's all he wants. He don't want the whole loaf, even though he deserves it. But you need to give him a little peace and a little glory and, 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 and lift your holy hands and give him some praise sometime. Can you spend a little time with God? Just a little time. I mean, concentrated time where nothing else is more important than your prayer life with God and your time in the word with God. Can you do that? Even Jesus said, can't you stay awake for one hour? <laughs> he asked his disciples in the garden, can't you stay awake for one hour? Can't you be with God for one hour out of us? Let's let's do it a little simple. Can't you be with God because he's so good for one hour out of a five, seven day week? A concentrated time with God. Only you can answer that. But if the saints would spend more time with God versus spending more time on television, more time talking on the phone, more time gossiping and all that other stuff they do. Don't you think this world would be a better world? So we have to suffer because God wants us to turn back to him. So the Jews are suffering because they still are the chosen of God. But that light that God gave them, he now has given us. And we're repeating the same thing. Judges were so powerful. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes.
everyone. And what we should be doing is spending more time with God because we got the time. And your loaf is still there. Some of you haven't lost anything during this time. And you still won't spend time with God. Because you think it's going to always be there for you. So I don't know what you're suffering through. But remember, suffer well. Suffer well. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Those on the phone, just hang on. I'm going to bring you in to discuss if you want to say something. Uh, Continue to support us. Uh, It will be on YouTube in the next hour or tomorrow. If you'd like to give us a donation, look down in the description box on the YouTube page. We want to thank all those who are listening around the world and locally. Again, I want you always to be encouraged and blessed and be at peace. And I want to encourage you, no matter what you go through, trust God and walk in the truth of the Lord. Thank you for tuning in. We worship at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ Building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue, Overland, Missouri, 63114. The times of worship are 8.30 a.m. on Sunday and 7 p.m. on Tuesday. You may also join us on Facebook at the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship page or the Walk in Truth Radio Network YouTube page. All are welcome and we look forward to teaching you the truth about God, teaching you to be committed, accountable, and responsible to the things of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. We hope that you have been blessed and encouraged. Continue to listen, subscribe and share on our YouTube page and your favorite podcast platform. If what you heard has been a blessing to you, consider donating on your favorite platform of choice, Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal. We want to thank you for all of your support, and especially your prayers. Stay tuned, be encouraged, and be blessed.